0: O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your hands, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, amen.
1: Friends, let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, as we gather now as your people around your word, we pray you would speak to us through it. Father, you know our needs, and uh, you know our needs better than we know our needs, and so we pray that you would speak in such a way that addresses those needs. Teach us what we need to hear this morning. Encourage and uh, transform us. Speak to us as individuals. Speak to us as your people gathered, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, at the heart of uh, Psalm 8 lies a question. It is perhaps one of the most important questions uh, that can be asked. It is perhaps uh, a question that has more than any other been uh, debated, and uh, your answer to that question, uh, consciously or subconsciously, will govern not only uh, how you live, but also uh, what it is that you live for. It is, of course, the question posed uh, in verse uh, four. What is man? What is man? The uh, the question was famously answered by the English philosopher, C.E.M. Jode, uh, who said, what is man? Man is fat enough for seven bars of soap, iron enough for one medium-sized nail, Sugar enough for seven cups of tea. Lime enough to whitewash one garden shed. Magnesium enough for one dose of salts. phosphorus enough to tip 2,000 matches. And sulfur enough to rid one dog of fleas. What is man? An assortment of chemicals. Uh, worth, I don't know, perhaps 50 pounds. Well viewed for, through a, a microscope alone, perhaps, perhaps so. The question is sharpened as we look with the psalmist skyward. Uh, We can picture the shepherd king David looking back, remembering nights looking after uh, his sheep, at lying on his back and gazing at the starry vault above him, and having the question forced upon him by his senses. When I consider verse three, "Your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place." What is man? That you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him. Viewed through our eyes alone, we seem such insignificant specks compared to the size and the splendor of the starry skies. And if we're small compared to creation, how much smaller are we compared to the creator? For whom did you notice the universe is just The work of his fingers. Isn't that a lovely touch from the psalmist? What can you do? What can you accomplish with your fingers? Open a jam jar? Possibly. God with his fingers alone can create the universe. What is man that such a creator would care for him? Where are we to look for our significance? Now, 8 is addressed to the people of God. And it reminds us that we discover our true significance and our role in the world as God becomes the referent point to our lives. The universe is great, the psalmist reminds us, but God is greater. And he has, did you notice, verses 1 and 2, created us for a relationship. And he has created us, as we'll see, for a significant life and a significant role in his world. And it is as we put God in his rightful place, as verse 1 did you notice, the Lord is acknowledged to be our Lord. As we are drawn into that relationship that the Lord calls us to, as the Lord becomes our Lord, so it is we discover our place. And we begin to live the significant life we were created for. Where should God's people find their significance? Well, it's there in those three little words that begin the psalmist's answer to the question, What is man? At the beginning of verse 5, and then again at the beginning of verse 6. What is man? You, that is God, created him. That is, as we look to God as we look not just at the created world, but as we look and listen to our creator God, as we come to him, we will find our significance as we embrace what God created us to be and what God created us to do. And those are my two points, in a sense, that navigate us through Psalm 8. So first, what we were created to be. We were created, did you notice verse 5? We were created with a God-given, God-like dignity. If all we do is look at creation, it is hard to establish innate significance for us. The universe is much bigger now than it was in David's day. Uh, Hubble and its fellow modern telescopes allow us to peer much further into the starry skies than David could. And we now know ourselves to be circling a star that is one of perhaps 300 billion in a galaxy that that spans 100,000 light years, which, if science isn't your strong point, uh, is a long way. A galaxy which is itself one of a hundred billion, perhaps, in the observable universe. The universe is much more beautiful uh, than David uh, could imagine, but it is also much, much bigger. How much more speck-like can we seem as we look at the universe? And when creation is viewed only through the lenses of science and materialism, it is always hard to establish significance. Uh, Pete Lohman wrote a book called A Long Way East of Eden, and here he talks about he's meditating on the death of God in our society and the consequent loss of identity and value and significance. He writes this... uh, Explaining the secular point of view, quote, we're products of chance without any special soul, less durable than an oak tree, and maybe, since there are so many of us, of less value than an advanced computer. If we slip under a truck tomorrow, there should be flowers on a grave somewhere for a fortnight, but there are many others to take our place. By the law of supply and demand, we have very limited significance. As he looks at the secular world, he sees this is where we are being driven to in our thinking. If we look only at creation, but we don't listen to our creator, if we turn our backs on God, then we turn our backs on the source of our significance. But of course, an insignificant life is such a difficult one to lead. It's it's so difficult to stomach. So life, of course, becomes... If you embrace the secular worldview, life becomes a struggle to create significance, doesn't it? And that's exactly what we see in our secular society, the desperate search for significance in a godless world. People searching for significance now in created things, because created things is all they acknowledge to exist. We search for it therefore in our relationships, if I have the right relationship, get the right girl, get the right boy, then I must be significant. Get the right job, that'll bring me significance. Get the right grades on my report card, well, that'll bring me significance. Such significance is so hard to gain. People work a lifetime trying to gain it, so easy to lose. The moment we lose a relationship, or we fail an exam, or we lose a job, If we've tied our significance to it, we're distraught. We're destroyed. One of the things we're doing actually in the evening service, uh, looking at the notion of peace, the peace that God brings in the evening services, we're looking at things to thank God for in our morning service. But a related theme of the peace that flows from God and, and thinking that, realizing that there is no peace to be found in created things because they are so fragile and transitory. We were made to find our peace in God. And as secularism, of course, is embraced, so the notion, too, of being made in God's image is increasingly abandoned. And again, do we not see that being worked out? The vulnerable, especially the unborn and the very young and the very old, increasingly being treated as if that is all they are, just an assortment of chemicals. But the psalm reminds God's people that that is is not so. Humanity is more than that. Verses 3 and 4 and 5. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. In other words, we were created to be more than just creatures. We are made a little lower than the heavenly beings. Crowned with glory and honor. These are some of the attributes, if you like, of God. The language here, he's taking us back to Genesis 1, where we're told that humanity was created in the image of God. God created us uh, similar to the animal world, but distinct from it given a soul, given uh, the ability uniquely to relate to our creator, given some of his characteristics, so that we could be like him in some respects, we could reflect his character to the created world. That is who we are, says the psalmist, or at least that is what we were created to be. We're not just products of chaos, we're products of creation, a creator. Not just blind forces were at work in our creation, but divine fingers, Humanity was created as the climax of creation. We have a God-given dignity. All humanity bears God's image. We were all created to be like him and to reflect his character to the world. And that is where we should look for our significance. We were created to find our significance in God. In, particularly here, relating to him and reflecting his image to the world. And if we have put God in his rightful place, if we are relating to him, if we are striving to reflect his character, then nothing can rob us of our significance and our value. And that is something that is something that we can thank God for this morning. As we look at ourselves in the mirror, it is not the list of our achievements that we must reflect on to bring us significance. But the love of God that we have embraced and the character of God that we are displaying, that is where we find our significance. We don't need to chase after it in the things of this world. We don't need to search for it in our relationships, in our jobs, in our report cards. We find it in being made in the image of God in relating to him as our Lord, in reflecting his character to a world. Nothing can sever us from the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can rest content in our significance and we can thank God for it. We were created with a God-given, God-like dignity. And secondly, notice we were created for a God-given, God-like dominion. And that is verses six to eight. We uh, We have, I should say, says God, a significant and a meaningful job to do Verse 6, you made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. The psalmist again takes us back to Genesis 1. He reminds us that man was made for a purpose. The art, uh, sorry, part of being made like God in his image was to continue the work of God, ordering his creation under his rule. God had given us the task Uh, or God has given us a task that is significant and brings supreme purpose to our lives. Again, the secular world struggles to create meaning and significance. Here, of course, very famously, is uh, Dawkins from The Selfish Gene, telling us what our purpose in life is. We are all, quote, survival machines for DNA. A monkey is a machine which preserves genes up a tree. A fish is a machine which preserves genes in water. There is even a small worm which preserves genes in German beer mats. We are machines for propagating DNA. It is every living object's sole reason for living. We are the throwaway survival machines of genes." Well, what significance then for the single? What significance then for those who are post-childbearing age? or those who could never have children. Psalm 8 reminds us that we are not to think like that. We have a meaning and a purpose that is greater than simply passing on our genes to the next generation. There is a meaning and purpose for the single, for those past the age of bearing children, for all of us. We were, says God, created to rule the world under him and to channel his rule into every sphere of life. That is what we were created to do. That is what is truly significant and meaningful. That was the purpose given to man. So it is not so much, this is where we must grasp this morning, it's not so much about what we do as how we do it, the psalmist is saying. It is not what we do that brings significance, it is how we do it. It is the bringing of God's rule to bear on any activity that gives it its significance and its meaning. So if we're a Christian this morning, we can thank God that we have a meaningful job that we can never lose. In whatever sphere of life we find ourselves, whatever it is we are doing, we can remember that its significance and its meaning and its value flows not from how great the world views the task, but how godly we are how it is that we are bringing God's word to bear on that task. And that is a great thing to thank God for this morning. So let's thank God for our significance that we find in him, in what it is that he has made us, in his, and the significance we find in every task as we bring his word to bear on it. And yet, of course, as we close, there is something slightly nagging about Psalm 8, isn't there? If we're honest, the psalm reads more like an ideal than a reality. As we look out at our world, we so often see the depravity of man displayed rather than in his dignity. We see that humanity, uh, by nature, rejects God rather than reflects his character. The world is not ruled under God, but is ruined under man. And even as God's people, who know and accept the great truths of this psalm, who, who have come to the Lord and, and know him to be our Lord and who strive to reflect his character and rule his world under him. We so often fail to do it as we should. The image of God is tarnished in us all, and the world suffers as a result. We live in a world, don't we, that is no longer living in Genesis 1 and 2, but is living post-Genesis 3, a fallen world, a world in which uh, sin and its consequences uh, are very, very present, a world wrecked by sin. And the question is, well, is man forever destined to fall short of what we were originally created to be and created to do? And the great news is, no. Because the New Testament tells us that God sent a man to be all that man was meant to be and to do all that man was meant to do. And to enable a people to begin to become again what they were always meant to be. I don't usually do this, but it would be helpful if you could keep a finger in Psalm 8 and flick to Hebrews 2. And you'll find Hebrews 2 on page 1202, and the rustling of the leaves will encourage me. So uh, if you flick to page 1202, you will find yourself in Hebrews 2. Such an important part to grasp, if we're going to grasp, I think, the full meaning of this psalm. I'm going to read from uh, verse 6. The writer of Hebrews writes this, There is a place, Psalm 8, where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned him with glory and honor, and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Do you see what the writer of Hebrews is saying? He's saying that God's purposes for man, that is, his great purpose that he should reflect his character and rule his world, are not permanently frustrated by sin. God's purposes for man are fulfilled in Jesus, the true man, the perfect man, the Son of God. The Psalm is first and foremost about the Lord Jesus. He is the perfect example of humanity, who alone fully embraces and reflects the image of God. He is the man who was made for a little while lower than the angels as he submitted himself to death on a cross but was raised and is now crowned with glory and honor as he perfectly rules creation and will reorder creation in the new creation when he returns. And in his grace, God's plan is to create in Jesus a new humanity in which the image of God is renewed and the effects of sin removed. And the purposes of God for us are restored When we turn to Jesus, when we put our faith in him, he makes us, as the writer of Hebrews goes on to say in in Hebrews 2, he makes us brothers and sisters of him. And he begins the process of renewing in us the image of God that sin has tarnished. And he empowers us by his spirit to reflect his character and he empowers us by his spirit to live out God's rule as he lived it out perfectly through faith in him, we begin to become the people God originally created us to be, reflecting God's character and living out his rule in every area of life. At the moment, only Jesus is fully crowned with honor and glory because only Jesus is sin-free. At the present time, still sin still clings to us, his people, and our reflection and our rule will be imperfect. But it will be perfect in the new heavens and the new earth when we are sin-free. Now if you are just looking into Christian things this morning, my guess is that you know, deep down, that you are more than an animal. That you are more than uh, 50 pounds. That you have a significance and a meaning that transcends your material composition and is not securely found in your achievements. Science, I would argue, can't explain that. But some can. For Psalm 8 tells us that we were originally created uniquely in God's image to relate to him, to reflect his character and to rule his world. That was where our significance and our meaning was to be found. But in our sin, in our natural rejection of God, our image has been tarnished. We have rejected his call to rule his world under him. And we have severed ourselves from the source of significance and meaning if you want to find it again, if you want to find and be what you were originally created to be and to do, then the Lord Jesus needs to become your Lord. And as you turn and you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, so he forgives our sin, and he begins the process of renewing his image in us and restoring us to the role that we were created to have. And then at last we will find true and lasting significance and worth. And as I close, if we're a Christian this morning, then can you see how this psalm should lead us to great thanksgiving? Thanksgiving for our significance that is found and is rooted in our relationship with the Lord and not our relationship with material things. A role that is significant, whatever role we have, whatever it is we spend our time doing, as it were, is significant insofar as we bring God's word to bear on it and his rule to bear on it. We don't have to go chasing significance and meaning. God has given it to us in every area of our lives. And we should give thanks for Jesus this morning, Hebrews 2, who gave up his glory that we might become glorious again in grace, who was so big, creation was the work of his fingers, yet made himself so small, submitted to the death on the cross, that we might be raised up and be given again that glory and that honor. that We might reflect God's character and rule his world under him. That we might be restored to what we were created to be. And we should fix our eyes on this uh, Lord Jesus who is both the perfect example of what it is to be a human as we read the Gospels, as we meditate on them, we see what it is to be made in God's image and to reflect his character. And he is also not only our example, but he is also our empowerer by his spirit as he renews God's image in us and helps us to bring God's rule to bear on every area of our life. And when we are frustrated by sin and we do not reflect God's character as we should, or rule God's world as we should, we should thank God for Jesus who has forgiven us our sin and in whom we are bound for the new creation where we will finally and fully be all that we were created to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this psalm and we thank you for what it teaches us about us. We thank you that as we put you in your rightful place, so we discover Uh, what it is that we were created to be and created to do. We discover our significance as we take our eyes off ourselves and the created world and put them on you. We thank you that you created us uh, in your image. We thank you that you created us to rule your world. And we pray that as we uh, put our faith in the Lord Jesus, as we become, as we remain his brothers and his sisters, that you would continue to renew that image in us, that it would be the place we find our significance, that you would help us to bring your rule to bear in every area of our lives and know that that is truly significant and meaningful. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.